<laughs> welcome, welcome, whether you got here on purpose or by accident, everyone has to be somewhere. And today, in this moment, you're on the Fishing Without Bait podcast, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people create themselves rather to find themselves, a rather free-form type of podcast where we help people explode into their lives, explode into their lives and experience it, to be in the moment. What we're looking for is people who have the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. A few little particles of each and you're well on your way. There are no membership fees, and if you're welcome nowhere else, you're certainly welcome here. And as our custom. We like to present an eclectic roster of guests, and today we're joined by our friend, Mr. Brian Crawford. Hello. Mr. Brian, so if you were going to give a reference for yourself, if you were writing one, and I said, gee, I'm looking for a Brian Crawford, and you applied for the job, what would, you, what would, what would be some of the bona fides that you have? What would you say about yourself? I would say that you don't have to worry about work. I work all the time. I don't stop working. I don't really sleep. So it'll get done. The job will get done. You know that. You know the job will get done because I, I, I re- rarely – I get through these days. I work overnight for my, my day job, and then I have big projects I do on the side and, and things like that. And between the two of them, there are days where I'm going two hours without – you know, of, of just two hours of sleep or sometimes I go on – large binges where I'll be awake for 30 plus hours, a sleepless binge, and it's not great, but I'll get it done. Something so, needs done, I'll get it done. Well, at some time we can explore the uh, consequences of sleep deprivation. <laughs> oh, I've got uh, stories. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, what you're saying, there, perhaps you've heard this saying that if you want to Get something done, ask a busy person to do it. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. I like to, to bring people in on my projects as well. And I've got some of the, with my new project, PGH Museums, that's launching on the 9th of November. I've brought in some of the busiest people in Pittsburgh to help me organize it, which is great because things are getting done, but it's really, really frustrating. It's other times because try, try planning a meeting with all of these people with their intense schedules and try getting them all to, to come together at one place. We've done it a couple times, which is impressive, but it's very rare. It's hard to do. So quite often on this show, we ask people to take different perspectives, and the perspective that they're taking of a situation may not be exactly one that's helpful or beneficial to them. So when you're trying to get all of these things together, someone listening to this podcast maybe has so many things that they have to do, and they, they, they can either look at that in a, with a sense of frustration or a sense of adventure. Yeah, I think it's it can become frustrating if you don't take time to enjoy things and, and take time take take time for yourself as well. But it can also be an adrenaline rush when you're just in the middle of it and everything's happening. I think of the Millville Music Festival year two when I, I did all of these artist interviews for the River's Edge Network. I did the Millville Music Fest uh, show called the Millville Music Minute. And then I was doing interviews on other people's platforms to talk about the music festival. And it was every day I had a million things. Plus I was working. It was a busy time of year at work. And I think I averaged two hours of sleep every day for a month. But it was it was crazy. It was, it was almost like a thrill. You, you were going from place to place. 
and then afterwards that you were just like dead. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I don't know. It's I think being busy helps me in a lot of ways, especially working overnight, having a busy schedule helps you just remember what day it is. A lot of times people, when, when they work such weird hours, they lose track of the day and the time and, and they don't really do anything else. I shouldn't say that. There's some people I work with who do a lot, but there are other people who do nothing. And I think they use the hours as an excuse because you are tired all the time and you just have to get out there and force yourself to do it. You're never fully rested because even when you when you do get a good sleep, the human body isn't designed to sleep during the day and stay awake at night. No, no, it is no we're not hardwired for that, and we often discuss the sleep hygiene on this show. However, tell us who some of your heroes are. Who are some people that you admire, Brian? My grandfather. Your grandfather, okay. So how many hours a day does your grandfather have? Uh, none. He's dead. Uh-huh. But how many, how many, <laughs> how many how, so someone you admire, how many hours a day did he have? I imagine a lot. So well, a, how many hours does everyone have? Oh, 24 hours in a day. 24 yes. hours. So sometimes we say, I don't get anything done. Or you look at somebody that you admire. and but they, However, they have the same number of hours in a day that you do. And we often have to wonder, well, they have the same amount of time that I do in a day. The reason that they get so much done is, what's well, not what I'm hearing from you. I, I, love, I love your passion. I love your participation in life, your excitement. And well, that's kind of the thing that we hope to transmit to, to some, to the, we hope to transmit to the individuals who perhaps are listening to this show. Sometimes we think that we get into situations or we look at people and say, yeah, that's easy for you to say. You have this, you have that. Well, uh, I didn't get this all at once. It didn't hatch. I didn't grow this on a farm. Okay, so what we talk about on this show sometimes is a Japanese concept of ikigai. Iki meaning life, guy meaning purpose. Okay, so what it sounds like to me, you're just so interested in most everything. Uh, well, I'm interested in, in certain things, but when I'm interested in it, I, I dive, I really dive head first. There's a lot of things I'm not interested in, and I just mm-hmm. don't. I don't do it at all. I don't. I don't force myself to do anything I, I don't right. want to do. Well, you're a curious type of individual. So, could you uh, maybe lay the groundwork and the foundation of how you and I became acquainted? Yeah. So we became acquainted through Sorgatron Media, and you you have your podcast, Fishing Without Bait, and I had started the Rivers Edge Radio Network, and. Uh, there was, for some time, you were being uh, rebroadcasted on that station as well. So we had met through, I think we met through one of the, was it through one of the networking events that Michael Sorg put on? Is that correct? Well, Mike and, Sorg, as everyone knows on this show, is our good friend, co-host, and producer of this program, uh, who operates Sorgatron Media, who distributes this and other production um, throughout the Ethernet, yeah. as it's called. Uh, and however, we met. So uh, we've often found the river's edge and its evolution quite fascinating. Could you say a little bit about that? Most people say, well, I have this idea. How do I make it bloom? How do I bring it into fruitation? Yeah, so that is something you mentioned about people who think like, oh, it's easy. And you hear a lot of that, especially when, you were, when you're doing online radio. People would tell me all the time, oh, I thought about doing online radio. And I thought, oh, okay. And it is easy to start a stream, and you can pay for the licensing if you want. However, most people aren't going to to do that because they don't know that they have to, I'm guessing. But anybody can go and 
put their credit card information and throw some songs up into a, a stream, but nobody's going to listen to it. You, that's where the work comes in is you have to really work all the time to, to promote what you're doing and, and push it. And that's what people don't really understand. And uh, I know you were interested in, in how that started. So I'm very, uh, it's weird with little decisions in life. I will agonize. Like if I wanted to decide whether I was going out for, I don't know, Italian or Mexican, what I want to eat. Like I'll sit there for hours and just like kill myself. Oh my gosh, what do I want? Do I want to, you know, I want, you know, pasta or do I want a taco? And I'll waste so much time worrying about that. But when it comes to like major life decisions, like I'm going to go back to school, I'll just wake up one day and be like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. And then I do it. There's literally, there's very little thought involved. I mean, I'm sure there's some thought over time where I'm thinking, oh, I'd like to, to do this or that. But I just jump right into it. And the River's Edge was a situation like that where I was doing college radio out of WCAL. And I was sick one day. And I did get better as, as it went on. But at the time, I was doing I was doing talk radio. It was a three-hour program. And after I'd been doing talk radio for years, I could roll out a program very quickly if something was going on. But back then, it took a lot of planning for me to do a three-hour program because I just maybe I wasn't as confident because I was new and I wanted to make sure it was it was done right. I never like to go and perform and, and feel underprepared and, and put out a bad product. Well, I, I like that term confident, confident. How do people develop confidence? So could you, yes, please continue. So preparation is a good way to develop confidence. And that's what I did at WCAL. And I'm happy to say every one of my shows, even my very first broadcast there, and I stress there, there was one time I did an online thing before I went to WCAL that was a disaster because I wasn't prepared and I didn't realize what kind of preparation it took. So my very first broadcast at WCAL was fantastic because I was I was prepared. And all of my shows there were, were pretty decent, I thought, but I put a lot of prep work into those shows because I wasn't as as experienced as I was when I did it at the River's Edge. So I had requested to cancel my show one week because I was sick all week. I hadn't had the time to prepare and I had gotten the proper approval. Well, then the station manager found out and she always had an issue with me. So she said, she started, uh, she sent one of her uh, underlings, who's actually a nice guy, but he was under her spell at the time and he was giving me a hard time and they wanted to suspend me because I had called off for that. Meanwhile, people would call off all the time for a million things. So I said, well, you know what? If you're going to suspend me, I'm not coming back the rest of the semester. And they said, well, if you're not coming back, don't come back at all. So I said, fine. So I spent a few months, about maybe three to four months, building a website and putting the, the steps in place to launch a podcast and we would broadcast in a closet. That's the part that you always find funny. Oh, I, I yeah. thought that was great. We podcasted. We, we would do this broadcast. It was a two-hour-long broadcast every week. And I would bring people up in, into this closet in an attic at my house. There's no heating, no air conditioning. It's in this small little closet that's maybe no longer than in the edge of the couch we're sitting on to the maybe just an inch or two beyond this wall behind us. It was very a very small room. We would be up there in a 90-degree heat, all this equipment running around me. My guests, because they couldn't fit in the studio with me, they had to sit on a futon that was outside of the closet holding a, a, wired, a wireless microphone to communicate with me. And that's how we got our, our start. It was the only room in the house that had decent acoustics because it was an old house with really tall ceilings and it just 
was not uh, really appropriate. None of the rooms were appropriate for audio, for audio engineering. So we would do it in this closet, and we kept working at it. I ended up meeting my business partner, uh, Sarah Kramer, who is running the River's Edge right now with, with her business, or another business partner. And uh, her and I decided to launch the 24-hour radio network, and we spent several months getting bands to sign up. That was before we discovered Adobe Signs, so we were literally driving all across Pittsburgh to get musicians to uh, give their autograph to uh, give us permission to stream their music. So we went through it, the, the legal channels, uh, to make sure that we were all uh, official and, and operating correctly. But I, I had musicians up in that closet. I had everything. And uh, yeah, and it's it's still going on now. The, the River's Edge sponsors the Millville Music Festival, and it's uh, all local original music. So what what you're talking about is most people just generally see the final polished product mm-hmm. okay but they don't understand all the growing pains all the birth but what you're talking about is having an idea and many people have ideas okay but most of them don't as they say grow legs and uh, come to fruition uh, i remember when we first started this program we did it uh, now we're sitting here in the, the studios of sorgatron media mm-hmm. uh, however when we started this show we were in a basement with uh, with sheets uh, so no one would see the washer and dryer that was behind us okay i was in that basement <laughs> yes you <laughs> so everything everything starts out in a place and I'm going to paraphrase this, and please excuse me, I can't find the author at the moment, uh, but it's uh, it's luck is when success meets preparation, okay? So those two type of things, and what we talk about as often is synergy on this show. When one plus one equals three, when you, when you get to, together with someone and the product is greater than the, than the parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think it has to do with being willing to ride it out in the tough times as well too a lot of people will start a a podcast or they'll start a blog or they'll they'll do anything on on their own and if they don't see immediate success then they'll run from it because they they just i don't know if they're bored or they just don't take it seriously or they just think that everything comes easily maybe they do think that you could just throw something out there and people will just come to it when really that's not how it is it's it it's tireless work i mentioned that original broadcast i did with online radio one of the things that i did wrong is i prepared for myself to take phone calls well no one knew about my show so no one called so i had this huge block of time laid out to respond and and communicate with my audience and and it was an audience that didn't exist so i had learned that's great that you have to prepare to receive no audience feedback and if you get it great and if you have to dump something that you planned, that's great. But you have to prepare for the worst, and then when the best happens, I like I like that thought. So, what we often suggest to people is, and everyone knows I'm from the twelve step world. If we don't know what to do, uh, there's a real good we have a real good hunch that you know what not to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, uh, and that's what that's why failure is not a horrible situation. Well. And, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, however, it bears repeating. Uh, even in the past, there were investigative reporters who were trying to dig up dirt on people, maybe get a quote from them, a headline. And this investigative reporter went to Menlo Park and met with uh, Thomas Edison one time and, and wanted to talk to Edison about his development of the 
light bulb. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, however, he started the interview off with, uh, well, Mr. Edison, tell me how it feels to have failed over a thousand times when Edison was and his associates, many of them, were making different types of combinations to make the filament last and last mm-hmm. longer, glow brighter. And Edison knew what this person was trying to do. And he says, I've never failed. I found a thousand things that did not work. So you found many things that did not work. Sure. Yeah. Um, always. And you do learn and then you learn what does work. Um, you always always have to be, especially if you're you're doing something on your own, you always have to be watching what other people are doing. That's one thing I, I've all often learned is I learn a lot from watching other people and seeing what they're doing. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait click the shop icon on our website we have clothing mugs cell phone cases and so much more show the world that you fish without bait this show is a member of the sorgatron media podcast network find out more at sorgatronmedia.com